Our scripture reading for today is um, it's a continuation of the scripture we've been reading uh, regularly for, what, six weeks now. Again, uh, talking about ideas and conclusions made in this book, Life Together in Christ, uh, Experiencing Transformation in Community. Uh, that, like I've said before, the ideas that I share are not going to be just her words repeated, but rather my own interpretation, and then I'll, I actually have some times where I'm going to quote her today. But this is a continuation of the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and uh, I'm picking up this time partway through their conversation with Jesus, whom they don't recognize as Jesus at the time. But Jesus comes up to him and uh, he says, what are you talking about? And you can tell that they're sad. So hear the word of the Lord from Luke Chapter 24, verses 21 through 35. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning. And when they, when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with the prophets and all the beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the Scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. And they were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of bread. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Have you ever noticed that the best stories, the very best stories are the ones that we can envision ourselves as being a part of? Do you ever notice that? Where we can like identify with either the characters in the stories or maybe the circumstances and then we can make meaning of our life, kind of envision like, oh, that's why this happened to me in my past, or, oh, that's what happened to this character, and I associate with them. Maybe this is going to be my future as well. See, we get drawn in to the story through the characters or the circumstances that are represented there. They make meaning to our lives. I don't know how many of you have seen, I know for a fact that the parents in this room, with young children at least, have seen the movie Encanto. <laughs> We've seen it many times. And Encanto is a brilliant movie, and it represents what Disney is really good at. Disney is really good at helping you 
to identify with the characters or the circumstances that are represented. And they can even do it in different, from different cultures and all sorts of different, uh, with different perspectives. And what they're really good at is getting not only the kids to like it, but also the parents. So if you take Encanto, let me just run through, if you haven't seen it, let me tell you some of the characters, okay? Mirabelle is a person with no clear giftedness like, like everybody else in the, in the movie. Louisa is a character who shows everyone's strength, but, but is fearful of being weak. Okay, see if you can identify with any of these. Isabella, appearing perfect, but feeling pressure to keep up the appearance and longing to be her true self, the one who could just let go and just be her real self. And lastly, the grandmother of the show experienced great trauma in her life, but doesn't really understand it. And so as a means of trying to uh, protect herself from future trauma, she tries to control everybody else. See what I'm talking about? Maybe you can identify even just a little bit with one of those characters, even if you've never seen Encanto. That's what really good stories do. They pull us in. They help us to make meaning of our lives, to normalize the things that we've been through, and then to envision what's possible in the future. See, we're constantly bombarded by people who are trying to make meaning of your life. Don't believe me? Did you watch the Super Bowl? (laughs) Did you watch? How many people watch the Super Bowl here? John and Sandy, you didn't watch it? No? You know, it's not for everybody. That's okay. (laughs) Most people watch the Super Bowl, right? It's one of the the most highly watched shows out there. And when you watch the commercials, you get a grasp of this. Advertisers make their money off of trying to make meaning of your life. This is what this means for you. So, if this is what your life means, then this is what you need. And they're really good at it. Trying to understand what's going on in your life. That's what good stories do. Even advertising. We're exposed to that constantly. People trying to make meaning of our lives. So when we hear a story, especially a true one, those are the best stories, the true stories where we say, oh, okay, that for sure happened, and so I can trust and relate to that character. Those ones are really powerful, but you know what's the most devastating? Is when we think a story is true, and we find out it's not true. We we would call that maybe a lie. If I stood up here every week and told you all these things about my past, How upset would you be if you talked to somebody in Lake City and they said, that's all BS. (laughs) Chad didn't even hardly go to our church. I don't know how he became a pastor. Can you imagine the depth of woundedness that you would have? How badly that would impact your trust of me? I mean, it probably would result in me not being a pastor. I would hope so, right? When we think a story is true and it turns out not to be true, that is terribly painful. And that, friends, is exactly what these disciples were going through. That was their experience. How could it not be? Following Jesus, giving their life to Him. Yes, this is great. And then He dies. It says right there in the text, they thought that this was an idle tale. Maybe not these two, but the other disciples, some of them at least, thought that this was an idle tale. What does that mean? It means no power, no truth. Those ways that I thought I was connected, like 
Jesus was making meaning out of my life, that's not true. Doesn't make any difference for your future. All the things that you thought about the past doesn't matter. That gives you a sense of what these disciples were experiencing. That sounds hard, doesn't it? Can you see why they left? I can. It's becoming actual, uh, actually a tremendous phenomenon right now. It started a long time ago, but during the pandemic especially, a lot of people are um, deconstructing their faith because they've seen so many different things happening within the church and they say, I can't believe these stories anymore. Because if the people who say that this is what's most important to them are behaving in this particular way, how could it be true? Or maybe they're saying, so that's one perspective, or maybe they're saying, why isn't God doing something? Why is this so hard? Where's the power that all the Gospels talk about? And so they say, I I don't know how to reconcile this in my mind. They seem like idle tales. I'm out. I mean, it's accelerating, friends. I'm not trying to uh, catastrophize to you, I promise. And we were already struggling in the church, right? I mean, we were already saying before before the pandemic, we were already saying, how is this going to turn out? Like, there's just not as many people as there used to be. And so the harder things get, the closer people come to this you know, this uh, crossroads in life of saying, is this stuff real? Is the Holy Spirit really working in my life or is it just an idle tale? And as we've talked about so many times, the people in the churches that can say, yes, it is real. I believe it. I believe that the Holy Spirit is working in my life and then believe the words of Scripture and live it out in a way that makes us feel very uncomfortable, but in a way that's compelling to other people. You know why it's compelling? Because they can sense the Holy Spirit in you. Because you've opened yourself up to this truth, this reality that Jesus is working in your life. Those are the people in the churches that will actually learn to thrive in difficulty like we've talked about. We talked about it last week. Like the megapodes, right? I heard somebody uh, who also does things on Facebook and stuff like that. Use that example. That made me feel pretty good. (laughs) Like, good, I thought it was silly. But uh, I'm glad it helped. So this was the the disciples' experience. And they're talking to, to Jesus, and they didn't know it was Jesus at the time. And as they open themselves up and share their woundedness, talk about the things that they're really struggling with, we get to this really important part in the text. That because they had committed to walking together, to sharing their lives together, to welcoming the stranger, which for us also just means welcoming things that are outside of our control, like the unexpected conversation in a day, or uh, disruption in our schedule. Because they had made that kind of space in their life, Jesus sits with, talks with them, and He reinterprets the Scriptures to them. He goes back to Moses and the prophets and he says, this is, this is what I was talking about. Can't you see? Can't you see what's happened? Can't you see that I was telling you the truth? He sits down and he reinterprets the Scriptures. 
excuse me. So Jesus meets the disciples in this space. And what does he do? Just like any good story, just like any good marketer, he makes meaning of what the disciples have been through. He says, all the pain that you've gone through, all the disappointment, all the uncertainty, all the vulnerability, all the heartbreak, it's part of this bigger thing that I'm doing. It's not in vain. You haven't misplaced your time and your effort. Jesus reinterprets the Scriptures to them, and in the process, He gives new meaning to their life. And the reason He was able to do that is because of His resurrection. He appears to them in a way that uh, they didn't recognize Him. And the same now is true for us, that because of Jesus' resurrection, He's present to us in this life. His Holy Spirit is working in our minds, in our intellect, just like we read in Romans 12 at the beginning of our time of worship. That it's the process of renewing our mind, helping us to reinterpret, to find new meaning to our stories and to say, what is God's will for my life? What does God say about my past? And what does God say about my future? And we read in Hebrews uh, that the Word of God is piercing through all the things that we have constructed over our hearts, the goals, the desires, the objectives that we have. The Word of God cuts through all of that, Dean. Just pushes it all away and helps us to see what's really there. There is the power of Lectio Divina. To just expose ourselves to God's Word and say, what does that generate in me? What does that do within me? And if we allow God to do that, if we allow God to make meaning of our lives, then we see who we really are. And we can come face to face with this question of, do we believe this is real? Do we believe that God is revealing Himself to us through Scripture? And if that's true, then what do these words tell us about our past? And what kind of possibilities do they open up for the future? Isn't that powerful? Because of the resurrection, Jesus makes meaning in our lives when we expose ourselves to Scripture. So starting all the way back in Sunday school, when the Word is proclaimed, it helps people to hear truths that they wouldn't other, otherwise hear. Or when we read it at Lectio, for Lectio Divina. Or when we proclaim it from the pulpit. You know, maybe you've been in a church where, um, maybe you've been in a church where they just have multiple Scripture readings, Right? That's one of the reasons why. It's just the, the, uh, the belief that every time the Scripture is proclaimed, it, implant, it, it like puts some truth into your mind, into your heart. And God is shaping us in that process. I wanted to read to you. Um, this is what Barton says. This was a really good quote. This is what she says. About when we read scripture, oh, I'm sorry. Now I'm now I'm a distraction here. She says, "Now, 
after the disciples had had their lives reinterpreted by Jesus through the Scriptures, now rather than seeing themselves as mere victims of forces beyond their control, how often do we feel like that? Mere victims of forces beyond their control, the disciples became valued participants in His story, the greatest story ever told. They began to find meaning in the events they had endured rather than dismissing them as senseless acts of violence that left them feeling traumatized and empty. This was more than just a history lesson. They encountered Jesus' transforming presence in and through the biblical story and in their own story, and it changed them utterly. Surely this is one aspect of the renewing of our minds that Paul talks about in Romans 12. Discovering brand new ways to think about our lives and our stories. So friends, have you ever thought about, as you're reading Scripture, have you ever related to any of these characters? I wrote some of them down. Have you ever related to Doubting Thomas? This is probably a pretty common one. Who needed to see the holes in Jesus' hands before he could believe? Have any of you ever related to the woman at the well who's so full of shame and feels like such an outcast that you wonder, could anybody ever love me? Have you ever related to the prodigal son, maybe, who squandered opportunity and wealth? Maybe not in the same way, but saying, I could have done better. Have you ever related to David, perhaps, whose heart was powerfully for God, but couldn't find a way to not sin? (laughs) You see, these people that we read about in Scripture, they're more than just stories. They're more than idle tales made up. This is history that helps us to understand how God has worked in the past so we might get a sense of how God might meet us in our struggle and what God might do in our future. Well, there's an important one I left out. How many people can relate to Job? (laughs) Just about everybody, even non-Christians, quote Job. They say, why is this happening to me? And Maybe that's one character why people say, I'm out of Christianity. I'm done. Deconstructing. Deconstructing means just like, I'm going to pick apart the reasons I believed and convince myself of why it's not true. How many times when we read Scripture can we relate to the characters in one way or another? And maybe sometimes we can't. But oftentimes, if we take the time to expose ourselves and to open our hearts to see this as more than just information that, oh, I already learned that, already heard a sermon about that. We're missing the point. When we read Scripture, God is speaking to our hearts. Maybe helping to encourage us. Helping us to move past our grief. To make sense of what we've been through and to envision what's possible for the future. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's perhaps the greatest gift that God has given us is this dynamic reading scripture, that Jesus comes and interprets this to us. Isn't it amazing? Now, if you can envision yourselves in the story, you can see, if you're the woman at the well, you can say, 
Jesus came to her with incredible love. Or doubting Thomas, Jesus came and said, look at my hands. Or he continued to forgive David. He continued to lead Moses in the wilderness, even though Moses was struggling as well. You see, because we all struggle. God's desire is not for us to be perfect or to memorize all the entirety of Scripture. But it's to live a life that is built upon trust and courage. Upon believing the truth that Jesus lives in your heart. That's what God is after for us. In a way that other people can tell. The best stories are ones in which we can find meaning of our lives, which we can relate to the characters, can relate to the circumstances. So when we read Scripture, we're letting God show us the meaning of our lives, the, why, the whys of the past and the possibilities of the future. But think about this. These disciples went on this journey of feeling so discouraged of wondering, of doubting, of leaving their group. Thinking maybe this was idle tales. But did you catch what happened at the end? After Jesus reinterpreted their lives, now they had a story to tell. They went back with a felt excitement and hope. Again, a compelling sort of presence that would encourage the rest of the disciples. Friends, that is a reality for each one of us. I've heard it said, well, uh, I like your story, Pastor Chad. It's encouraging. I like it. It gets me excited. But that's not my story. You know what I said to that? Not yet. Not yet. Because each one of us should have some kind of a story to tell about the difference that Jesus has made in our lives. Every one of us should be able to say that. Why do you love Jesus? Why do you go to church? Well, let me tell you why. This is what He did or is doing in my life. The clearest way that we can open ourselves to that kind of meaning is to read or listen to God's Word proclaimed and allow Jesus to speak to our hearts directly. And maybe, just maybe, you will have a story to tell that will bring meaning to someone else's life and help them to envision what God would say or do to them. May you have the courage to live with this kind of vulnerability and posture that's reliant upon God. Amen. Let's um let's just take 30 seconds to